Hello, and welcome to a roundtable discussion on the Topic of Page podcast. My name is John Mayer. In this episode, I'm joined by guests for a lively conversation on a topic we hope you'll find interesting. All right, it is about 10.52 on Wednesday night, July 8th. And this is the start of our Comic-Con coverage. Uh, joining me is my sister, Kay Callum. How you doing? I'm exhausted already, and how are you? I'm doing the same. I made a uh, lack of a correct turn tonight, and that cost me a good couple of blocks of walking, but we'll get to that later. Um, we've been in San Diego a day or two already. We uh, drove out from uh, Austin, as we usually do, saw a couple of Stonehenges on the route, uh, if I think about it, I'll post those on the forum at some point. Of course, I've still got photos from the last trip we took that I haven't posted. I posted a few, but not many. Well, I want to start with what we did yesterday, actually. Okay. Which we've done once before, but it was fun. We went to Cabrillo National Monument, and we took photos of the San Diego skyline. Yes. And one of the things that Comic-Con does to the San Diego skyline is alters it with the banners they put up on the buildings. And it just never ceases to amaze me that you can make out the banner for the strain, for instance, mm-hmm. from Cabrillo, which, as the crow flies, is it's miles away. It's on the other side of the water across the harbor and stuff, and you're seeing the water side of everything. So something you really can't see, you know, uh, from that distance or whatever, except from there. I was able to get some photos of the, the strain, a couple of the things over on the Petco Park stuff. Um, there's not from the water side as much up as there has been in some past years. Uh, there were a few things, uh, again, on the land side, on the Harbor Drive side, of some of the hotels. The uh, the last ship had some mm-hmm. stuff. lot for the Lego Dimensions game. Uh, Once Upon a Time, The Muppet Show, uh, a few other shows here and there. Conan. Conan uh, is being advertised very big. Conan O'Brien. Yes. Not Conan the King, the Conqueror, the you know the Barbarian, or any of those. Conan the the talk show host, who is filming shows down here each day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and may the Norse be with you. The Vikings oh, right, have right. a huge banner on Petco. Well, and they've got it in a direction that a lot of people heading out that way. It's on the edge of Petco Park that everybody just smack stab into at one point almost, mm-hmm. uh, right there near the Tin Fish and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, they've themed up the trolley cars, the buses, the the bikes, the you know, the pedicabs. You name it, everything's uh, got advertising on it, which is part of the fun of Comic Con. Now, preview night is only from six to nine. It's probably the most intense and exhausting three hours of the convention in some respects because you're trying to get your bearings and. At least for me, you have no idea, no matter how much of a game plan you go in with, you honestly have no idea how you want to use and get the best advantage out of those three hours. I was walking in the Artist Alley section this evening, and it couldn't have been, but within the first half hour, the floor had been open. And there were already people over there with these huge bags of things they'd bought. Now, I don't know if they'd gotten to the Warner Brothers store or where. But, I mean, some of the people know exactly where they're going. I've already stood in line and gotten to the key places to get their pre-ordered stuff or, or whatever exclusive. Part of what drives me a little nuts uh, 
preview night at Comic-Con, and we got stuck in this uh, last year because I wanted one of the exclusives, is is the people chasing the exclusives. Mm. It is a madhouse. The Funko line was already capped and closed by the time I walked down there, and I had more or less done a straight shot down Artist Alley to it. Mm. See, I yeah. got... I, I, I think I got smart this year. I started my walk in, in preview night. Uh, we entered at Lobby G. We'd come in around Lobby D or whatever, sent up the escalators, and then walked the way above and then down to the jo- Lobby G one. So we were at the, the far, um, I guess, north or the, the far east section. Yeah, northeast, I guess. Uh, anyways, the Artist Alley section. So I worked down the little um, alleyways, which I hate how they set these up. Three artists on each side, little dead end. And it's something that if there's any sort of activity in the artists on the edge, it's hard to get to the ones on the far further in. It's a dead end, so you've got to go, turn around, walk out. And if you're not interested in the artist, I don't know, it seems a little rude. Whereas the other section, you could just walk down the aisle and just keep going, and I zigzagged and made it back up. But then I covered the first set of, of booths, in lobby or uh, halls G and F, um, about halfway down that, I met up uh, with a high school friend of mine, Rich, who used to work at Sony Online. Great guy, love hanging with him. Chatted with him a bit as I continued zigging and zagging. Because of the number of, of booths or not booths of blocks there are, I wound up kind of doubling back a little on one section by Artist Alley to start on the next thing. And then I'd gotten most of the way through when I met up with you again. Of course, I was talking with Rich the whole time. And then just had one little bit to kind of finish off. So I've done essentially the the, the harbor side half of Hall's G and F um, before I headed off to, uh, to the event I was going to. And what I've found in past years is it's better – the way the Hall is set up for people who are unfamiliar with Comic-Con – is it's about an eight-block convention center. It's about the size of ten football fields in terms of square footage. Lobby A, if you're looking at it from the Harbor Drive side of things, is on your far right, followed by Lobby B1, or Hall B1, B2, and C. That's where the old convention center, or the original convention center, stopped. So back in the 90s, Mm -hmm. when they first moved over here, that's all they had. Well, and back when I came to my first convention here in 91, not only is that all they had, but there were two other conventions in the convention center with them because Comic-Con couldn't fill that small convention center. Yeah. But in that part of the hall, there's blocks of five 10 by 10 booths on either side of an aisle. And there's one, two, three of those blocks, or f- usually a fourth block or the small press area. Okay, mm-hmm. so there's uh, about 20 at least booths down, with the numbering on the uh, on your right as you walk down being the even numbers, on your left being the odd numbers. So you've got you know, like 700 to 709, I guess it is. Uh, and then they would skip where there would be, because they have a 20-foot walkway, because there are four major, three major walkway. Well, there's the walkway at the front, because there are booths along the, the Harbor Drive wall. Block of booths, 20-foot uh, gap walkway, which is nice. Another block of booths, the main center aisle. Um, another block of booths, another aisle, uh, you know, left to right aisle versus front to back, mm-hmm. going the short side. And then again, on that side, uh, in halls A and B, you've got the small press stuff. And then in C, you've got some of the publishers, whatever. Hall 
D is one of the first ones they added on, and that was around 2001, 2002, I believe. That is inset a little ways because of the way the lobbies are, so it only has three blocks of booths, okay? And it's it's a fairly sizable hall, and actually, I guess technically that's D and E. This is where you've got the Star Wars Pavilion, a lot of the gaming companies, toy companies, that kind of stuff. And then when you get to uh, halls F and G, it extends back forward again, that additional block of booths. So you've got 10 by 10 booths that get aggregated sometimes to 20 by 20, or in the case of like DC or Marvel, 50 by 80 or something crazy. And there's just all of this stuff. And if you go down aisle 1700 or, you know, 1500 or whatever, it works great up until you hit like the small press area. And they don't line up right because they're smaller tables. They're not full-on booths. So I realized uh, a couple of years ago, just zigzagging one block of booths and then doubling back on the next set and whatnot. If I do it right, I can be pretty optimal in my walking and see everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does mean that you're kind of clearing or rounding the corner or whatever on one side. And if you're not careful, you don't see the end cap on the other side of that block. Matter of fact, I had that at one point when we were done where I ducked back. On you and Rich just to say, oh, that's what those toys are. Because they had a bunch of the um, uh, Stormtrooper action figures. Yeah. So I've covered one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times. I mean, 20 blocks of booths. uh, Four in the front section, six in the next uh, because of the way they do it on that side. So 200 booths and all of Artist Alley that was was there at the time. Plus all the uh, booths along the front. And have barely scratched the surface. There's at least... Ten times that left to go. Well, and it's interesting in you're describing how it's laid out because we've always said in the past, you know, don't say I'm going to meet you on the Harbor Drive versus the Harbor side of Mm -hmm. the convention center because it's so confusing. Say the water or say the bay versus the street when we're giving one another directions. I was asking you earlier what's the booth number of the Del Rey booth? I want to go there. And it turns out Del Rey has a booth in the Lucas Star Wars Pavilion as well as Del Rey over in the Random House area. So there are two different booth numbers for Del Rey. Well, and one of them is 2913, which normally that would give you a specific 10 by 10 booth on aisle 2900. In this case, that's covering a probably... 60 by 80 foot block, Mm -hmm. which has a bunch of stuff kind of in there. And if you look on the map, there are two 2913s that are huge. So it doesn't really narrow it down much. Whereas if it were in the low number where you've actually got the 10 by 10 booths individually, oh, boom, it's right there. Well, at one point, a friend and I split off from Rich and we were texting him periodically with here's where we've ended up. Here's where we've ended up. And when we got to D.C., he said, I'm about to catch up to you. And we're like, in that case, we'll move to the Tick. Because the Tick is a much smaller booth to try and find someone at versus D.C. Entertainment. That's one of these uh, 20 by 20? Yeah. The Tick. Oh, that was 10 by 20. Yeah. Versus, again, a 50 by, I think, 80. Yeah. And Rich actually thanked us for moving over to the Tick. Yeah, finding places to meet people or telling people where you're at is uh, is worth doing as precisely as you can. I did have one time somebody said, "Yeah, I'm I'm in Hall C." Yeah, that's nice. 
That's huge. That is a... Football field. Yeah, it's a football field. Yeah. And it's not an empty football field. There are booths there. Some of these things are two, three-story tall things. And sometimes you can't see somebody five feet in front of you. Mm -hmm. Well, and it goes back to normally, like saying DC or saying the tick, it's at least you've narrowed it down to one booth, which is why I was surprised when I mentioned Del Rey tonight to realize, oh, yeah, they have two locations within the hall. Well, and certain ones, particularly more in the ABC halls, actually more B and C, Dark Horse, Marvel, DC, Tick, Diamond, they've been where they've been forever. Very true. And when you consider this is a 10 football field square footage place that exists for 40 non-consecutive hours a year. Mm -hmm. You know, you add up the the times the exhibit hall is open, three hours tonight, you know, uh, six or seven, eight hours on Sunday, and then nine or whatever they are, a little actually, no, longer than that, it's... Anyways, you add the hours up, it's roughly 40 hours and stuff. I'd have to look at the actual hours this year to make sure. Um, it is incredibly easy to get lost in this place. And, yep, by... What you were just saying, I would say I found the Diamond booth and the Titan Entertainment booth by what I would refer to as muscle memory Yeah. tonight. Again, some of these things, I know where they're going to be because they've always been there. Yeah. And it may not seem like a big deal, but when you've got three hours on a preview night to make use of and you've mm -hmm. got to find out, well, I wanted to go to booth, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. and it could be any one of... 2,000 booths or however many there are. Yeah. It, it's a staggering amount. And there does come a point where uh, your friend Brian has a booth. Yes. I walk by the booth. I would be hard-pressed to tell you which one of these aisles it was on. I happen to know because you had mentioned it. Mm -hmm. It was in the, uh, the 4600 mm -hmm. aisle, and I think it was 16 was what it was, maybe. But it's one of those I could be off by an aisle or two and not find the thing for a half hour if I'm not thinking. Well, and I was grateful he mentioned he'd been moved an aisle from last year mm -hmm. because I nearly autopiloted to where I knew he was last year, and I remembered the Facebook posting. Well, and last year, uh, I think I walked by his booth a time or two because if you, I didn't come at it from the right angle, it was one of those it just blended in with the others. It's yeah, mm -hmm. it's uh, it, it it's a huge convention. It's a lot of fun. It's something that I think every hardcore comic book fan uh, ought to go to. I think a lot of hardcore entertainment fans should go to because Warner Brothers, AMC, ABC, 20th Century Fox, Nickelodeon, BBC America, Stars. I mean, everybody, Lionsgate, uh, Cartoon Network, MTV, Hasbro, Lucasfilms. I mean, everybody and their dog has a, a booth here if they're in the entertainment industry by and large. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is good and, and and bad. It's it's crazy. It's uh it's hectic. It's busy, but it's well worth doing if you've never been. Now I walked through all of that, and then at about seven fifteen ish, I headed out, uh, because I needed to be over by the Marriott, actually behind the Marriott. So I basically made a, a little bit of a circuitous thing. I, I kind of wanted to finish the the one block I hadn't finished, but anyways. I had headed kind of in the wrong direction, but made it to the back end uh, of the the water side, followed that aisle all the way back to the uh, what had been the center of the hall before, went up the escalator, out the mezzanine level, down to the water, um, which fortunately I was able to do. They had it blocked off at the bottom except for one area, and the guy mm. caught me before I'd kind of gotten to where I would have had to like duck under the railing. 
um, and then headed over to the Marriott for the uh, Comic Book Resources Yacht Party. Uh, Jonah's been doing the yacht thing for, I think he said, nine years now. And it great turnout. A lot of fun people. Uh, got some, you know, time to, to talk face-to-face with some of the editors I deal with there. Talk to Jonah, of course. A lot of the other people who are uh, doing stuff uh, just year-round for the, the site. But also, of course, this week. Mm-hmm. Because this week is one of their busiest times. They're going to be doing interviews on that yacht. Pretty much from the, the start of the day to the end of the day, every half hour, get somebody else in there and do that. And those will be showing up on the, the Comic Book Resources website over the next couple of months uh, as they have time to edit them, as the right things get released, you know, whatever. And while all that's going on, they've got a small army of reporters and journalists and stuff going to the various panels and filling in stor- stories and stuff like that. The logistical effort of covering a convention this size, I think, is just staggering. I would agree. And they do a great job with that. I, I look forward to the the coverage after the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they do it live as, as much as they can, but I'm not going to go read it until next week myself. But other people are doing it, you know, probably right now as we record this. Um, so I had a great time there. I got to talk with some people and stuff. Um and it's just, it's, it's nice seeing the, the comic book resources team kind of, you know, uh, not in one place at one time. Cause I mean, there's a lot more people involved than just that, but seeing them all there, it was, it was fun. I enjoyed that. And then when I, I came back, I was over behind the Marriott. I was walking down Now I wasn't sure where I had to meet you, so I had to call you. And I was, uh, not able to find where I would need to cut before the convention center. That's a very discreet little alley between the Marriott and the convention center that's hard to find during, you know, well-lit daytime. Yeah, and this was 9.30, yeah. uh, So I missed that. I wound up walking the entire length of the convention center. Mm-hmm. Plus, past what they've set up for Adult Swim, for the FX stuff, to in front of the Bayfront Hilton, and then kind of doubling back along that side of the Hall H side. Uh, because in addition to halls A through G, there's another whole hall, which holds, I think, 6,500 people mm-hmm. for the really big panels. Uh, and there were already people lined up out back to get wristbands to go line up in the morning to line up for, it's like, that's crazy. I, I, mean, I, I, w- I keep wondering, what would I be that big a fan of? That's my question to myself. What would I be such a big fan of that I would line up at 8 p.m., to get a wristband to line up at 8 a.m. for a panel on. If it was show up in Hall H at this time and we will give you the, the, the superpower of your choice. Absolutely. I am done. I will camp out there for, for many weeks. But, uh, but only if it's the superpower of my choice with how I want it. None of this, you know, oh, yeah, but really, you're going to hate it because type stuff. I'd be hard-pressed to name any movie, TV show, comic book, anything I would want to stand in line that long for. Because, I mean, there's so much other stuff to do. But there are people that are that passionate about certain things. And I, I, I envy them that to a degree. Well, and there are some people that come for only one thing. Mm-hmm. And I get that. You know, I'm not a fan of only one thing at Con. That would make my life easier. That was one of the things that was kind of funny at the yacht party was... uh I was getting asked by a couple of people, so so what are you liking? Because I was referred to as a fairly prolific reader by a few people there. 
which is a fair statement. I, I read a ton of stuff, but you know, I look at all of these uh, logos and stuff on the on the convention center exhibit hall floor map, and a lot of them, yeah, I'm getting stuff from on a regular basis. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, I'm passionate about a lot of things, some more than others, but none to the exclusion of the others. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's that's just the way it goes for me. Well, while you were at the yacht party, I had a chance to go into Lucas Film Land, and uh, it was not crush of humanity quite Good. yet. Good. Um, I went into the Petco area, you know. I have to say this fandom for the pets thing that somebody told me about two years ago, I guess, last year. They now they do the Yoda ears for the cats and the dogs. And now they're branching out and they've got the chew toys for the dogs and Chewbacca and all these things. It It's adorable. I mean, I don't have pets. I admit it. But I'm starting to understand why people were telling me you have to go see this stuff. Yeah. You know, and I had a friend with me who does have a pet, and she took one look at the Yoda ears that were in the little gift bag that I was handed, and she's like, um, um, you don't have a dog, and I do. And I'm like, yes, of course, you know. So, and they'll be having giveaways throughout Con, and she was already taking note of when they'll be because the stuff is adorable. Yeah, the Stormtrooper chew toy for a dog and stuff like that. It's just kind of funny. Yeah, um, you just, yeah. So even dogs and cats can be fans too, which oh, yeah. I think is precious. Uh, I got my Mad Libs. That was the only giveaway they still had on the table when I got over there because all of the book publishers had already been wiped out by the time I got over to their area about 8.15, 8.30. Now, those publishers tend to be in the 16, 15, 1400 aisles. Yeah. And where we started in Hall G was Artist Alley, which is the uh, 5300 aisle. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a, a bit of walking to be done to, to get there. Yeah, it, it took me a little while. Um, I did go by the Comixology booth. Mm-hmm. And they gave me a pitch on Comixology. They seemed to think that there were people on the planet who've never heard of Comixology, which I was intrigued by. Uh, they gave me a print comic, which I thought was very interesting for a digital comic service. But they also gave me a key- code for a digital comic. This is so. uh, Onyx. It's printed by IDW. Uh, Ryle would be Chris Ryle, um, who's the uh, publisher over at uh IDW. I'm pretty sure is that yeah. Interesting. I'll have to check that uh, out when I get a chance. Obviously, it'll be after con before I read it. But uh, see, this is for people who think I don't look out for John and pick up comics. No, you for do a, a good job. Um, I also picked up at uh, Dark Horse the Dark Matter information because mm-hmm. I will be wanting to go to the panel and the signing for that. Panels so. uh seven fifteen Thursday, so late one. But actually, there's oh the autograph stuffs the other time. Okay, so. mm-hmm. they have two autograph signing times at the on two different days at the booth and then the panel. Um, but I'm enjoying that show. I think they've got a lot of good stuff going on with the characters. Yeah, we've watched the first three episodes of it, and it was about halfway through the first when I realized, wait, I've read this comic. 
Yeah, and it's funny because the moment you made that comment, I was like, is that why they announced there would be a signing at the Dark Horse booth? And you gave me this look like you couldn't have said that sooner? So, yeah. Um, And then after the hall had closed, while I was waiting for a text message from someone, a very nice man asked me if I would take a photo of him with the free bag he was given with his badge. Because he was given a Supergirl bag, and mm. his daughter had given him strict instructions to get that bag for her. I never saw an email this time telling me what all the bags were going to be. Yeah, near I. So then, while he, this nice man was waiting for his friend to show up, we talked for a few minutes. And it turned out that this nice man and his friend were uh, in the event guide. Uh, one of them, the friend, was... Uh, Jordan B. Gorfinkel? Yes. And I... A.J. Frost is the other name. Yeah. And they are doing... Oh, this is the comic I was telling you about, the Michael Midas champion thing. I think it's going to come out as a graphic novel. Yes, uh, it is. The reason I was telling you about it was uh, one of the artists I followed for many years, who I had do a sketch for many years, uh, is Scott Benefell. Yes. Um, he's one of the guys I always try to, to say hey to. Um, but that's also, uh, Scott Benefell is, is, uh, influential in, in your Comic Con history because without him, you never would have gone. I had gotten a sketch from him in, I think, 1990. Uh, I, I, back at that point, I was living in San Diego here and I was doing team sketches. I got one from Aaron Lapresti one year. Uh, I got one from, Scott Hanna, uh, I forget the other artist, but the last one was, was Scott Benefell. And what I would do before was teams, cross-publisher teams. You know, let's have uh, Starman, Nightcrawler, Kitty Pride, or whoever, a couple. Of, just what, what do I think would make a fun team? But what I decided to do for Scott Benefell is uh, let's do all the different costumes Robin had been in. Now, this was back in 1990. So there were fewer versions because this was before Damian Wayne. We had uh, really just the 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 Dick Grayson and uh, Jason Todd versions. I think at that point I don't even know if we had Tim Drake. But I'd found all the different variations of the costumes, references for it, whatever. He was going to do it, but I was local. He was local. He had other stuff. Hey, could it wait and just pick it up afterwards? Okay, fine, not a problem month goes by, another month goes by, etc. He'd gotten busy on some stuff, gotten whatever. Uh, so the next year, I had sent you, because I was that was the one year I've missed, 91, I think it was, uh, since, Jesus, far back as I can remember. Because at that point, I'd been going for probably about a decade. Mm-hmm. Um, I sent you in my stead uh, to, to basically go harass him. I did harass him very effectively. He didn't have your sketch, but he doodled in my sketchbook a very memorable little drawing that says, you have a mean brother to send you to harass me. Scott's a great guy, and this is a, a comic he's doing, and he's a phenomenal artist. He's yeah. just, uh, he's been focusing on some other stuff, I think. Uh, there was a period where there were a ton of very talented artists that for whatever reason, and I don't know what, we're just having a hard time really either getting a, a shot with Marvel or DC or some other publishers or able to really make that turn well. Mm-hmm. I remember one or two that got on a book, and it was a book that I don't care who you put on it. It mm. wasn't going to last more than eight issues. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't. 
That's the concept of the book. Doesn't want no knock up against any of the creative team. Yeah. So it takes sometimes some guys to to recover from that. Uh, Scott and stuff. Uh, I'm trying to think if he even got to that point. Again, great guy. Love checking in with him every year. And this was one that was going to come out a couple of years back, but something happened. I forget what. Uh, but now they're actually, uh, it looks like getting it out. And it looks phenomenal. It looks like great mm-hmm. stuff. Again, I expect that out of Scott. And Jordan Garfinkel, I'm thinking I've read some other stuff he's done. Uh, I'm certain I have. I'd just be a little hard-pressed to tell you what it is off the top of my head. Well, he was very happy that I was still there when AJ showed up with uh, the sampler. and well, he that- was an editor at Batman. That's right. That's where I know the name from. Sorry. Yeah, that's fine. He was just thrilled that he could give me the first sampler as a thank you for taking the photo for his daughter and stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was very cool. So that was my last experience of preview night was, you know, getting to help someone have a fun moment of the his creation felt truly official because that was he found out he was in the event guide right in front of me. He hadn't seen this article or known it made it into the event guide until AJ showed up and said, by the way, have you flipped in and seen this page? That's cool. That's yeah. cool. So that was a really awesome moment and again, to witness. He was an editor on the Batman books during the No Man's Land era, um, some of the original Birds of Prey stuff. Um, and he was real happy with how this art was looking. Yeah, they got some good stuff there. So it was a, a fun night. It was. But six to nine, plus then getting out of the gas lamp area, back to the hotel. We did get our uh, uh, hotel of recent years in um, the, the Liberty Station area, which is nice because once we get back here, we're out of the the craziness of Comic-Con. But it takes a little bit to, to get back and forth every day. Um but given just how many lights and sounds and, and stuff's going on there, I and mean, we've had times it was hard to sleep yeah. down, down in that area. So it's it's nice being away from it. But so far, convention seems to have gotten off to a good start. I did uh, a lot more of the floor tonight than I had expected I'd be able to. I've got a couple of panels I may go to tomorrow, and I may decide not to go to too many. You know, some people decide they want to go to every panel under the sun. That's great. I've done that some years. Other years, it's, no, I want to walk the floor. You know, I'm torn. There's so much on the floor that I want to do and see. I'm curious about the uh, FX area over by the Hilton Mm -hmm. Bayfront. So there are several things outside the building I want to do. There are a few panels I'm interested in. So I don't have an actual game plan for tomorrow. We'll see what happens. For me, I think one of the focuses is going to be kind of walking the floor this year. I mean, I always do it, but there are times I feel like I kind of blitz through it. And I was thinking about that tonight as I was going through it, is there are some aisles where, you know, I'm not into original art. Mm. Let's move on. I'm not into, you know, steampunk attire. Let's move on, you know. So there was nowhere where I felt like I'd blitz through too fast. And nothing where I've really felt so far that, ooh, I should go back and spend more time at that booth. And to me, that's the goal. Mm-hmm. There's one or two I could spend some more time at and talk to some people. But, you know, so far, uh, none of the ones I've hit that I, I think I need to do that. And there are some other people that are on the list of definitely, regardless of when I go to the booth, I'm going and spending some time talking with. Uh, I always uh, like to talk with Tom Zoller of Love and Capes and now Long Distance. Uh, Aaron Lepresti, uh, who's going to be doing, I think, a 
He's got a series coming up. I'm blanking on what it is. Swamp Thing, Metamorpho. Anyways, something from DC. A new miniseries. Um, but yeah, a couple artists. Uh, Scott Benefell. He wasn't at his table when I got there. So go back, talk to them. But yeah, beyond that, a couple of panels I want to go to, but mainly I may just walk the floor, see what shopping there is to do. Because I'll be honest, it's getting to the point where you know, I'm doing fine this year, but I think I've that's just because of the amount of walking we did on our last trip. Um, normally, uh, the the walking at this convention just kills me. So while I'm still young enough to do it, I may as well. So we're going to be doing the uh, the evening wrap ups every every night. Um, this episode will probably contain Thursday and Friday as well. Another one for Saturday, Sunday, depending how long all these things uh, last. Depending how long we ramble and stuff. So with that, uh, I think we'll call it a night and come back tomorrow. That works. Cool. It is about uh, 10 after 10, 10, 15 or whatever on Thursday night. It's already the days are starting to blur. It's so soon for Con for that to happen. And uh, we're back with our recap of what we did today. This was a, I don't know about you, but man, I woke up tired. We were up past midnight between preview night, the CBR party, getting out of the gas lamp, getting back over here, having some food, doing the recording, getting set up for today, getting to sleep, and then before I knew it, the alarm was going off. That's exactly how it felt. So we got up, had breakfast uh, here at the hotel. Man, the one thing I got to say is when booking hotel arrangements... If you can find a place that has a, a breakfast baked in to the cost and stuff, and I don't mean just, you know, cereal or something. I mean, bacon, eggs, sausage, a, a hot meal, a full meal mm, is well worth doing. I mean, all they had here really uh, was some scrambled eggs and some sausage patties that were gluten-free. They had some other stuff, waffles, whatever, that don't do me any good. But starting out with a, a pretty full tank of energy really helps. It's amazing what a difference it makes to your day. And the fact that you can go until 3 or 4 p.m. before you start to feel like, I need to eat. Yeah. It means that you don't hit the same rush hour of lunchtime at the gas lamp as other people. Well, and that right there can save you 30 minutes to an hour mm -hmm. easily. When we went and had our, quote, lunch, there was basically no line, and we went to one of the busiest restaurants in the gas lamp. Yeah, we'll get to that in a little bit, but you're right. It was one of those, there were like two people in front of us. Yeah, so that's a definite advantage to having a hotel that provides breakfast. Absolutely. So we got uh, done with breakfast, drove over, uh, got situated, got in there, got over, walk uh, across the gas lamp. I think I picked this one up later, so we'll talk about you that did. later. Um, and we get across to uh, to outside the convention center, and instead of just going straight in, it's a, no, no, we're going to vector you off to you know the left or the right and then put you in. It was, I don't know, a little silly, but I'm sure there was well, a reason for it. As we were going across the train tracks... There was a bit of narrowing of the traffic because there was a street team almost behaving like a flash mob, if you will, and they were performing like protesters for the show Damien. Yeah, I really think that the street teams need to be a little bit more limited as to where they can be in that one area in the gas lamp 
at 6th Street as it's crossing harbor and stuff. Fifth. The fifth. Sorry, yeah. you're right. They've turned that into a pedestrian mall, but they really need to have, I think, the street teams at least a block off from there. Well, and that's the thing. Most of the street teams stay basically from the trolley tracks into the gas lamp quarter, if you will. And this one was actually crossing the trolley tracks and going across harbor and coming up into the convention center and then doubling back. And that's where it became a bit of a chokehold on pedestrian traffic. Now, for people not familiar with the term street team, this is basically a marketing group that is a bunch of, you know, low-paid people of basically, hey, we're going to pay a couple of bucks. We need you to put boots on the ground. People literally on the street... Mm -hmm. uh, advertising, either handing out flyers or, in this case, staging a fake protest. And we'll give you pins to give people. And in this case, we will have one person shout something from the bullhorn, and you, as a street team member, are to echo whatever you've just heard come out of the bullhorn. And, I mean, we saw other street teams, and typically you've got a few people who know what's going on, and the rest are just the followers and doing what they're told. And in some cases, it's obvious, like in that case, the show they were promoting, one or two others, I'm still not sure. Yeah. But we saw some over uh, by the trolley tracks off to uh, the ball ballpark side of, of things. These were crossing back and forth on Harbor Drive, slowing some stuff down. There was a lot over on the other side of, of uh, Fifth over by the, the Hilton gas lamp and stuff. Mm -hmm. So it gets kind of crowded there. Um, yeah. Again, great place to, to go find out about new shows, get some freebies and stuff like that. Uh, and it's it's part of the experience. Definitely. I mean, there's there's always been talk, not always, but over the last decade of will San Diego, will Comic Con stay in San Diego? And it really hit me later in the day as we were walking across, uh, kind of on the 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 gas lamp side of the tracks, uh, the, the trolley tracks and such, um, heading over to Nerd HQ in the afternoon. It, it'd be kind of like Mardi Gras leaving New Orleans. It's such a part of the city; it just doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. And it's, again, the, the convention's expanded so much outside of the convention centers, we'll talk about quite a bit in this part, um, that, I mean, the street teams are part of the experience, and there just needs, and I'm cool with that, it just needs to be not kind of blocking traffic, yeah. and it needs to be a little more sensible. I think they'd get a little better results, too. So, we got into the convention center... We headed over to a couple of booths. I think the first one we did was over in Lucas Land for the... Uh, we did. I wanted to take you to the Petco booth. Yeah. Because I had so enjoyed just getting to see these things. And when we got there, they happened to be giving out the Chewbacca Chew Toy, which you have to admit, this bone-shaped Chewbacca-themed toy is adorable. It's in the shape of a, a dog bone. With Chewbacca fur and kind of his bandolier or whatever. It's got the Star Wars tag. It's embroidered to, uh, to 2015 on the back. Uh, I mean, it's for a Star Wars dog collectible chew toy. Really well done. Would it have occurred to me to have done a Star Wars collectible chew toy for a dog? No. But, I mean, hey, for Petco, it's... It's something that I don't know how many dogs are clamoring for, but I can tell you how many dog owners are clamoring for. I can tell you how many people, when they asked us, what did we do this morning? And I still had that bag on me, and I reached down and said, well, I took John over, and he got this. They're like, oh, if he doesn't want it, I'll take it. 
You know, that right there tells me they've got something good on their hands. Yeah. No, I think it's a clever idea. You know, I'm not a dog owner, and I'm sitting there going, you know, this little thing would be adorable just sitting on my desk in a little, I like a little Star Wars theming going on mm-hmm. motif. So I think it's cute. No, I think it's a great idea, and it stands out from a lot of the other stuff on the hall floor. It does. Um, we did that. We walked to uh, Dark Horse, Diamond. We did. A few other places that we usually uh, say hi to some people, Titan Comics. Uh, a lot of those are on the part of the floor that I, I have gone through just in those sorts of ways, but not the aisle by aisle. So as far as I'm concerned, I've, I've set foot there, but I haven't really walked that part of the floor. Well, and because the hall hadn't been opened long, it was a time when I was trying, again, just to see a few people and make some connections. Uh, I had a chance to dart by the IDW booth later and uh, met one of the marketing people there and actually had a very entertaining conversation with him and stuff. And it to me, it was fascinating as I was going from booth to booth, just kind of seeing where people were standing in awe of the huge video of past con appearances by various Star Wars actors that's flying by. And at this point, there are already so many photos of the convention floor out there in good old cyberspace that I was walking by at one point. I'm like, wait, 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 Hot Wheels. I know something about Hot Wheels, something about Superman and Hot Wheels. So I started looking around the booth and there's this huge Superman Corvette or a a car. It's a Batmobile slash Superman mobile. It's for the Batman Superman thing. The front half is themed Superman. The back half is themed Batman. Yeah. Which, you know, I looked at, I, there was a lot of crowds that I went by it, so I didn't get a good enough look. Uh, and I haven't really pulled out my camera on the convention floor at all yet. I, I haven't should. tried yet. But that's one of those that I couldn't help but think, and this is something only old school Superman fans are going to get. But if you're going to do the front of the ha- front half of the car that way, it's got to have robotic arms that are reaching out. Yes. M- most people are like, huh? If you go to the Silver Age uh, era of comics, there was the Supermobile. And it was essentially a spaceship Superman would use when he's going to a place that has a red sun. Nice. Because he would be going and, and trying to pick up artifacts from Krypton or whatever. So he had robotic arms that would reach out of the thing to go grab stuff. Nice. It's like if you're going to do the front half of a Batmobile, Superman-themed, making it a Supermobile, mm-hmm. go for the Supermobile. But they didn't. Oh, well. At least not that I saw. Like you said, I didn't get a great look. I couldn't get really close to it but i got close enough to just do a double take and go okay i get why people are saying there is a really cool car on the floor here yeah Mm-hmm. so after that i split off from you mm-hmm. and we were in the hall c-ish area so i uh basically made a quick pit stop you know it's one of those things when you're at the convention, stay hydrated and know where the restrooms are because, you know, yes. it's sometimes it can be a hike to get one. And the last thing you want to do is be in the middle of things and, you know, feel the call of nature. So sometimes I tend to be it a little can be preemptive. a hike and sometimes it can be an hour-long line. That too. So I, I try to, to plan ahead on those things. Anyways, do that. 
stop by the uh, nobility booth um, and basically got a, a little bit of a run down there. Uh, not a particularly good one, to be honest. And basically, they have a glassesless 3D screen there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's pretty cool. That's one that I've been wanting to find and check out. I'm very curious about that project. That's the Christopher Judge movie. It's got Christopher Judge. It's it's a cross between Firefly slash The Office. Mm-hmm. It's got uh, a Christopher Judge who played Teal on Stargate SG-1. Tori Higginson who played... Um, uh, uh, we're, uh, command- yeah, the original commander on Stargate Atlantis. Yeah. Um, and then they also have, uh, Kelson, uh, uh, oh, James, uh, James, uh, from Heroes, the guy who played, uh, Heroes Friend. Yes. I forget the actor's name. James Kyson? James Kyson, I think. And it's got Walter Koenig, James as I recall. Kyson, Walter Koenig, um, Doug Jones. It's got a number of, of people who've done some stuff. Uh, and it was cool, and it's got a very 3D effect. I don't know if it's only going to be in 3D or not, uh, but it was cool to, to kind of go through there. But then I headed to kind of the break between uh, Hall C and D, which is kind of the old and new halves of the hall. Mm-hmm. And then basically, since I was at the back of the thing anyways, started zigzagging on that back block of booths. Ah. Uh. So that put me by Mattel and some of the the toy stores or toy companies, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, found a couple of cool things here and there. The place right around the corner from Think Geek, and it was kind of sharing their booth, uh, but it was a, a corner thing. Was where they had the guy uh, dressed up in a Star Trek suit who had done the Bluetooth communicator and, and uh, the the phaser replica. The phaser, just as a toy. Really cool. Hmm. It's like show accurate. I mean, they went to the guy who had the hero prop, scanned the thing in, hmm. and uh, and then recreated all the functionality. Complete with it's it's a classic Kirk era, you know, old school uh, uh, original series uh, phaser where it's got the little twist button up in the front. Hmm. The phaser mm-hmm. that comes out, and you can even see the little crystal. That's in there. Nice. And you do different settings. It makes different noises. Um, the the phase one phaser, whatever, the little uh, uh, remote control looking thing comes off. And the whole thing is a remote control for a TV. That is very cool. And it's got one of those things where it's got a magnetic little base. Mm-hmm. You just click it to, you just put it on and it just stands upright. That is very cool. It also comes with a carrying case that's foam fitted or, or rubber fitted or whatever that the whole thing just disassembles and fits into, as if it's a field ready phaser. Nice. Same thing with the tricorder, or not the tricorder. They actually, there's a story behind that, but with the uh, the communicator, you know, and the communicator has a stand that you just kind of rest it on or whatever. It's got an induction thing to recharge. Nice. So you can just leave it there, hooked to your computer or whatever via Bluetooth and stuff, and. It he, the guy showed me. It's like he flips it over, says "call so and so," and it called the other phone he had. Nice. You know, it took a minute because of the the signal strength in the convention center. I mean, the the thing's expensive. Mm-hmm. But Uber Geek, really well done, incredibly show accurate. It even had the moray effect in the little dial area on the thing. I mean, they didn't miss any aspect of accuracy, coolness, or or authenticity to the show. So hats off to them on that. Um, 
I easily, were I of a mind to and thought I could have any justifiable use for these things other than toys, could have spent quite a bit of money over at ThinkGeek and reserved the right to still do so. Uh, at the very least, I've got somebody at work who's a huge Trek fan, mm. uh, particularly that era of Trek, that uh, I will make sure the appropriate people know of these things uh, for him, possibly. Very cool. That was a lot of fun. Um, further down was EFX Collectibles. And what got me is I was coming back down towards the back of the hall mm-hmm. as I rounded it. And there's this huge clock. Mm-hmm. It's a little 10 by 10 booth. And it uh, was the clock from the clock tower of Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. Up on the side was the uh, the dashboard time thing. And they had uh, bookends uh, that were of the clock tower thing, or actually of the uh, the estates that they go to at one point. And Back to the Future, I think, two. Nice. And she's like, hey, check this out. And the whole thing was in a plastic thing. She turns it around, same bookends, but now they're weathered from the future of disrepair. Oh, nice. I mean, these things are incredibly show accurate. Uh, she wasn't sure when they were going to come out or how much they were going to cost for all these things. But it was just really cool. And I think this is some of the main uh, uh, Back to the Future licensing stuff that's been out in ages. They've got that almanac. And what it is is a list of, or pictures, photo reference of every Back to the Future marketing thing ever done. Oh, wow. Sippy cups, slurpy cups. Yeah. On up and down. And apparently Bob Gale has veto rights on these things. If he's not happy, it doesn't go out. So these things are just, again, really cool, really well done. And again, very movie accurate. So I thought that was a lot of fun. That was very cool. Um, wandered back and forth, saw a bunch of, of various things. Uh, it got kind of crowded when I got towards the back corner. Unsurprising. Funko's over there. Funko is the ones that do those uh, little bobblehead looking things. Some are actual bobbleheads. Some are just, you know, uh, chibi-type things with little body, big head. And not only was Funko there impacting that entire area, because the entire back section seemed to be aligned. If this back booth that's listed as 5347 is actually a booth and not just the line for Funko, I'd be sorry for whoever's there, because I didn't see a booth there. Interesting. Uh, or at least I couldn't yeah, see yeah. It through the crowd. Uh, but also back in that corner on the other side of that was the Marvel Collector Corps. Ah. Um, and they were selling past boxes, which uh, I'm surprised they could say plural. I guess that would be the Ant-Man and the Avengers ones we've gotten. Yeah, and that explains why I've been seeing people carrying the Ant-Man box around the convention center. Uh, the next box, August, is going to feature Secret Wars. So I may get more copies of uh, Secret Wars number one. Um, so far, I mean, I'm not huge on the Funko stuff, but we've gotten some cool ones, and I've found the uh, the Marvel Collector Core worthwhile and is one I may hang on to and would like to see DC do an equivalent. Yeah, I think the Marvel one has had a, a good hit rate. Well, and DC with DC Direct and stuff could do it all in-house versus having Funko or some other company do it for them. Yeah. Because this is as much to sell Funko stuff as anything else. Yeah. yeah there's, there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's cool. Um, so I did all that on the back half. And then there's kind of a, a little half block for a little bit at the end of Artist Alley before it goes back to the full blocks. And then I worked my way back down through halls G, F, E, and D, which included everything from a lot of anime booths. And they fall into a couple of categories for me. 
One, it looks like they have uh, Power Ranger Super Sentai stuff. Two, they actually have Power Ranger and Super Sentai stuff. And three, they're just anime. And nothing wrong with that, just not something I'm really feeling the need to go dive into. Now, I would like to comment, because people may be wondering, I was very busy while you were doing all this. Standing in line for the FX, whatever they're calling their adventure, at the Hilton Bayfront. But no, the whole time you accomplished all of this, I stood in a line. You were still standing there when I finished all of this. No, no. Oh. I I moved to a second line. Oh, wow. You made more progress than I thought. Yes, yes. So I just wanted people to know I, I was accomplishing something while you were doing this. I was standing in a line. Please continue. So while I was doing roughly... Half the convention floor. I was going to say a quarter because it's just the back half. That's, that's oh, oh, I feel much better, actually. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, you were outside standing in a line. And, oh, getting a lot of sun in that line. The first line did not have shade. Now, with the way I was zigzagging, I've been uh, in the evenings trying to, to put it onto one of these maps, best I can remember. And I think I got it right, but I who knows. Uh, I may have actually missed possibly a booth uh, over by Artist Alley, kind of tucked away. Near Style Online? Further back than Style Online and the one kind of across from it. Hmm. Interesting. A little corner booth there. Uh, I think the... F- Fifty-three, thirty-eight. I don't have my glasses on. Is uh, the Copic marker? So I think I saw that other one from a distance. It's like, yeah, I don't really need to dive in. But part of why I do the zigzagging on the booth by the booth basis is then afterwards I just have to do the various long uh, across aisles. Yeah. And I catch all the end caps, and it works out pretty well for me. Um. So there was one booth that it's like, ooh, you've got some stuff. Do you have what I need? No, okay, not here. Oh, you've got more at your shop. Drives me nuts when I ask the question, do you have a business card? I ran out. I don't know where they are or I don't have any with me or something. You know, if you're going to come to a convention in any capacity, artist, creator, publisher, vendor, exhibitor, whatever, have a stack of business. I don't mean a small stack. Have a full full box. You know, if hundreds of these things. Yeah, but if they don't, then I will commend the person who when they realized they were going through business cards like confetti and not feeling a return on it. They made a single banner that was a QR code above their contact info and said, use your cell phone, either on the QR code or to photograph the contact info. And that would be fine, too. The guy wanted me to hand him my cell phone so he could put it in. I'm like, well, what's the thing? He told me, and it's like, oh, I've already got some orders in with you. Yeah. It's like, I know who you are, but I couldn't tell from their booth who they were. Yes. And that is becoming an increasing problem for me. Something to where I've got something. And again, the the, the photo reference isn't a bad idea, whatever, where I can go to your booth, say, ooh, I'm interested in this. I don't want an action on it now, but send me a reminder to where when I get home. I can spend mm-hmm. some money. Yeah. So that was one of those. Now, one of the other ones, and I forget where it was. I'm thinking it was in this area. I think it was over at 4037, but I could be wrong. Let me double check the uh, thing. It's the the mile-long list of exhibitors. Yeah. It's the uh, Hollywood Sci-Fi Museum at, yep, 4037. It's a little tiny booth. Uh between Funimation, BBC America, Stars, Square Enix, and Lionsgate. 
I was trying to talk to the nice people there about the Hollywood Sci-Fi Museum that's opening in 2016. When's it going to open? Well, before I could get an answer to that, I almost had to resort to sign language because I couldn't hear them. They couldn't hear me. It was so noisy in that area. But they're, they've got a temporary space that's going to open up. They're going to have a hall of ships, a hall of cars, a hall of robots, recreations of the classic and next-gen bridges. Nice. And I'm like, you know, if this is open before con next year, we may go through L.A. That'd be nice. Yeah. It just looks like a fun place to go to. And they've had some delays and stuff like that. So they're going to say that when they're going to open, when they know when they're going to open. That's yeah. cool. I, I signed up for their emailing list and said, you know, give me more information when you've got it. Yeah. Um, but that was one where part of the purpose of going to these things is to talk to the people. Mm-hmm. And when you can't because it's so noisy around them, it's frustrating. Yeah. Another one that I think I actually hit earlier because I think it was over um, – Back in the 49, 48, the 4900 aisle. And at this point, I was going from high numbers down to low numbers. Is a place called uh, Geek Chic. So uh, Geek, G-E-E-K, Chic, S-H-I-K, uh, XP.com, experience more. These guys do high-end geek furniture. And I think I showed you these last year um, where they have the gaming tables that uh, the top comes off, you've got a place for it, you've got pull-out things for mm-hmm. like a desk or uh, mm-hmm. either for a computer or reference books for gaming. They've got really nice bookcases and stuff that also have shelvings for comics. They've got what they consider eight-hour seating, patented butt-hugging technology, something that's basically geared for long-term gaming. Nice. And this stuff looks phenomenal. It's nice quality wood, cherry, maple, oak, or walnut. Uh, the stuff looks, there's no other way, amazing. It's one of those things, if I were a serious gamer with uh, obviously more money than I would know what to do with, uh, even after comics, gaming, etc., um, for furniture, I can't imagine any going anywhere else. They've got everything you would possibly need for just a really great gaming experience. Complete with the tables are set up such that um, you can have uh, like attachments for uh, drink holders, uh, coasters, uh, you know, everything you would need for that sort of and dice holders, I think. Very cool. Um, I only picked up like five of their five of their uh, little uh, postcard things. They had like a thousand, it seemed like, because they've got everything under the sun. Maybe not a thousand, at least 20 or something. So tons of things. Really cool. Uh, obviously walked by the, uh, the styling online tower of t-shirts. It's staggeringly huge. Mm. Uh, found some cool stuff, uh, at various places. Nothing where it's, ooh, I've got to go buy it. Uh, went by the Bandai booth. They had a good, uh, selection of, of what they're having out for, uh, Power Rangers Dino Thunder and some of the classic, uh, Power Rangers stuff. Um, one of the other ones we went by. I think before, while we were still together, so it was in the other part of the hall that I haven't officially walked, was uh, Red Giant Entertainment. This is some stuff that I had talked about on the preview spotlight at one point, because these are going to be 72 pages for a dollar coming out. Flip books with Pandora's uh, blogs, uh, The First Daughter, Wayward Sons, Monster Isles, Tesla, Amp, Dual Identity, Magica, some really good stuff. 
And it looks like they are, uh, got another release plan or whatever for when things are coming out. Um, and I haven't really dug through all of this, but I mean, these things are well done by name creators and whatnot. Um, and I want to see this, this company be successful. And they were talking about a deal, uh, releasing them at Toys R Us. That's what it was. You're right. Thank you. It's been a long day. I'd already forgotten. With any purchase, you'd be able to get them at Toys R Us. I think they said starting maybe August, September, October. They were afraid it wouldn't be till the holidays. Yeah. But something they're, they're, uh, uh, working with, uh, Markiplexer, whom is, I think the guy said like a YouTube uh, personality or some such. I don't know anything about him. Uh, so I need to do a little more research. Like I said, I need to talk with them in more detail. We only chatted for a few minutes. Um, but this is stuff that, has been in the works for a while, and if they can get it out there successfully, and mm-hmm. geez, doing it as part of a holiday, buy anything from Toys R Us, get some comics, some full size, you know, yeah. full story comics. That's great. Yeah. You know, I think that's a, a win for everybody. So by that point, I had actually after, that was earlier in the day, but uh, by the time I got back to the break between halls C and D. Uh, I had finished the back two aisles, so I've still got the front block of aisles in halls D and E, which have like Nickelodeon, uh, Konami, Gentle Giant, Weta, Hasbro, Viz, the Lucasfilm uh, Pavilion. Um, so I've still got a, a fair amount there, but then it's back to kind of just the the old side of the hall, which tends to be lower crowds. Yes, and therefore easier to do later in the weekend. Yeah, very true. I finished though those back two aisles by. A little before 1230. Yes. At which point we had traded texts of, you know, where are you at? How are things going? My back is dying. Yeah, because we picked up some books as we did the crosswalk and a few other things, and you were very kind to to carry them all. Yes. I I appreciate you. That was my folly, I think. I should have dropped the bags I was carrying of lead weights before going to stand in lines. Yes. That would have been wiser of me. I didn't put two and two together. You made it sound like you were pretty much done in that area, and we're going to head over to the, uh, uh, let's go drop stuff at the car and then go head to the Children's Museum for the Nerd HQ. And that was the impression we were given, because when I texted you, we were, we believed we were 16 people from the front of the line. I'm not judging. No, no. I'm just saying we we believe we were 16 people from the front of the line, and they were laying eight people in at a time. Because you were over at the FX Arena at the- uh, American Horror Story Hotel. Right. Okay. Now, what we didn't know was that there was a group of eight people standing in a line segment in front of the hotel. So, we were really 24, not 16 people back. And we didn't know that the hotel was broken. They didn't tell us that part. Well, I head over to uh, to that area, and I find a convenient place uh, with some shade to sit in front of one of their big screens. You're so smart. And I, I sit down, and I text you. Yes. And then it gets to where you're far enough around the, the, the building we can actually see each other eventually. No, no, no. We didn't move. I just leaned so you could see me. Well, like I said, you got yeah. far enough to where we could see. I, I didn't say you had to go far. No, I'm saying I did not move in line the whole time you were there. Right. Um, but while you were doing that, that gave me a chance to uh, to check my email. 
True. Because I hadn't really done that in the morning because we were in a little bit of a rush to get breakfast and get out. And the whole FX arena had free Wi-Fi. Yes. I've been getting free Wi-Fi so far this con at not only our hotel here, where we mm-hmm. get it normally for being a hotel guest. The Omni Library, uh, Omni Lobby has it. They don't have a library. They just have a lobby. A lot of books on the line. What can I say? The Hilton Bayfront uh, Lobby uh, seemed to have... No, we were doing that because we've got... No, I don't think I was doing it at Hilton. Anyways, FX had it. Uh, there have been a couple of places I've been able to get free Wi-Fi. Colonel Sanders is offering free Wi-Fi. Colonel Sanders. Um, mm-hmm. There are one or two other places I lucked into free Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. It's one of those that um, if you've got a phone, you've got Wi-Fi, turn it on and look around either for what the Wi-Fi code is for where you're at. You may find an unlocked one. Be aware, though, that doing those connections for Wi-Fi are going to drain your batteries. Oh, yeah, definitely. It finally got to where I turned off Wi-Fi. I turned off Bluetooth because my battery was down to 60-some-odd percent. Yeah. And I normally don't go through much battery with this phone. I've got a uh, a Samsung Galaxy Note 4 with a battery that will last like 40-some-odd hours. Yeah. So having drained it so much over the course of the day kind of surprised me. Maybe it was Nerd HQ was the other one. That maybe. That was. Anyways. Yeah, it was. I was able to check my email over at the FX stuff while you guys were doing things. Um, I'd gotten an email from somebody at the New York Post wanting some information on comic sales and why I thought certain things about certain things. So I was able to do that. And I'd actually gotten an email from uh, Nate Simpson, creator of Non-Player. Um, he was, he'd read the, uh, the numbers on CBR, I guess, and was very pleased with how his stuff had been doing. Um, he may have misunderstood and I clarified in a later email that this is what sold into retailers, not what sold to mm. readers. Easy point of confusion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also sounded like uh, maybe he just hadn't heard from Image yet how things had been done. But he was very pleased with the sales. And I told him he should be. He lost only 10%, which is half the normal drop rate. But uh, he's one of many creators that don't make it out to San Diego every year. Mm. Uh, certainly wasn't making it this year for whatever reason. And, you know, for a creator, it costs some money to get out here. It costs a lot of time to get out here if you've got a day job, et cetera. It's not on the plate for everybody. Yeah. Um, but I was able to get a few things done while you guys were going through the FX stuff. And just watching the the snow globe for It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. No, Fargo. Fargo, sorry. It was uh, – well, I was, wa- I was by the monitors and I was seeing stuff, promo video mm-hmm. stuff for all sorts of things. Yeah. Archer uh, should have had promos. Uh, it's Always Sunny in Philadelphia was the free sunscreen by but where you were. They had the best promo. Oh, I believe it. It was a, a riff on the right stuff. Where all their people are going, you know, and into, into the rocket. They get in there and when it's like, I always want to know what it's like to be in a rocket. It's like, it's not a rocket. It's a cannon as they slam the door, shut the thing, tilt the thing, shoot them off. Nice. It's hilarious. Nice. Um, but FX has some cool shows coming out. The uh, sex, drug, and rock and roll with uh, Dennis Leary looks good. Yeah, I saw that promo um, at one point. That looked good. Um, the American Horror Story uh, Hotel, once they got it fixed and got it working and agreed on the rules and agreed on how many people should go in at a time and figured out how to scan the barcodes or the QR codes we'd been given and realized that the program for scanning them wasn't working correctly and just had us entering our email addresses. So once they figured out uh, seven or eight hiccups and got the system working, which took about an hour and a half or two hours, mm-hmm. uh, and got us in there. It was a, they blow 
fake money up at you and you catch as much money as you can, put it in a bag, and then whoever are your group of eight caught the most money, won a gift card for $100. So the fact that it was a one in eight chance of winning a gift card for $100 tells you why people stayed in line for two hours. Yeah. You know, and everybody got a keychain that was a skull key to one of the hotel rooms. The the keychain actually showed that to me. It looked yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. So that was cool and it was fun. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was doing it with friends, right. which was nice. Um, and then the next one we did was for a show that hasn't come out yet that's set in the 14th century, uh, has executioner in the title. Um, and it was just a bunch of, 14th century type entertainment things in a fake forest and it was a lot of wasted space actually in this fake little mazy thing but you went through and you did the old um strength man's test of swing the hammer and try and get the the thing to go up yeah yeah and then they had these little wood crossbow things to fire an arrow and the uh the very nice man helping us quickly learn not to let me reload it (laughs) Which was kind of irritating. Um, and then the third thing was a puzzle. And then one or the other person won a hooded t-shirt. So again, you had 50-50 odds of getting a hooded t-shirt. Well, and you got some fun stuff to do. Yeah. It's gotten to where there's, for that part of con, uh, almost a, a carnival aspect to it. Definitely. And there's nothing wrong about that. But it's, again, a very different convention experience than... When I was a kid, and it was just go talk to a creator or have them pitch their works. I mean, I remember when Mike Magnolia of uh, of Hellboy BPRD fame was pitching. I mean, I was walking by the DC booth, and it was Cosmic Odyssey, kind of one of the quasi-event sort of storylines. He's like, let me tell you about it. Here it is. Here's why it's cool, whatever. Very different day and age of comics. Well, and I've never tried... The carnival activities mm-hmm. outside the convention center. And when some friends said they wanted to do it, I was like, yeah, I haven't tried it. And if I were going to do it, it only would be fun with friends. Absolutely. And it was interesting so. just sitting in that area because they had these huge screens for showing promos and whatever. And periodically they would scroll through what looked like a Twitter kind of a thing uh, of people. It's like, hey, I just did this or whatever, you know, I do this in the horror story, get the key, get the money, win the prize, whatever. And it was posted three minutes ago. It was posted three minutes ago when I sat down. And two hours later when you all finished all that yeah. stuff. Um, so, I mean, there were other things I could have done. But frankly, I was at the point where I needed a break from the whole floor anyways. It had been crowded. It had been loud. And just getting out and about in the fresh air was nice. Yeah. Um, and there were some nice breezes. There was a lot of sun in the lines that had no shade, which was the downside. But there were some nice breezes, so it was 50-50. Well, in this area, had a little bit of a, a tarp covering kind of a vented thing, so yeah. it was shady. Your seating was nice. Um, So that was good. Um, The one thing I picked up on the hall floor that I wanted to mention was a short story. It's called uh, Drive, and they said it was a prequel story to the Expanse book series that uh, the sci-fi TV show, The Expanse, is going to be connected to. Interesting. Uh, by James S.A. Corey. 
So I'd heard a little about The Expanse coming on Sci-Fi, and mm-hmm. I'm curious about that. Um, so after we did the FX Arena, which... We headed over to the car to drop off the heavy yeah. stuff. Uh, finally, I got rid of the lead weights, which you very kindly babysat yeah, for me for quite a while. I was happy to do that once I got over there, and that's part of why I headed over. I knew you had heavy stuff. Yeah, once once I got rid of the, the lead weights, waiting in line was far less painful. Um, we ate at Ten Fish which has a specially printed blind spot NBC menu. Now, which... the Tin Fish is just off Fifth Street uh, at the entrance to the gas lamp. So it, it, like, is right next to kind of the Omni, the parking garage on the other side of it, and the trolley tracks and stuff. So it's, it's like a prime location for a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd known about it for years, but I'd never eaten there until a couple of years ago. Um they it it it's a fish place. Uh they know what's gluten free, they know what's dairy free. They had a lot of that marked. We went in. We were doing this at about three o'clock ish. Yeah. So like I said, the only line in front of us in our group was like two people. So it was fast. We got in, we sat down, we ate, uh, had some really good food. Um it's it's one that if you hit it the wrong time, you're gonna be Sit, you're going to be sitting in line forever. You're going to have a hard time getting a table, whatever. If you hit it at the right times, it's a great meal. It's a, mm-hmm. a place I definitely recommend. Um, and it's easy to overlook because it's so close, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Um, but they've got everything from burgers, quesadillas, salads, uh, sides, uh, fried sandwiches, grilled sandwiches, burritos, grilled plates, fried fish and chips, uh, combo platters, tacos, soups, you name it. They've, they've got a, a pretty good selection of seafood and stuff. Well, and NBC tends to have them surrounded. Yes, they were by so. the Heroes and Blindside uh, booth. Or Blind spot. Blind spot, which is how they came their their yeah. menu. Uh, but that uh, booth's not the right term. But that that event thing. Yeah, so uh, they can be hard to kind of pick out and say, okay, here's the entrance to the restaurant. Here's where I get in line. And it can be hard to tell how much of the line is for NBC and how much of the line is for the restaurant. And I think that's part of why some people don't go in necessarily. Well, and it also makes it a very crowded area because yes. there's a lot of giveaways and stuff like that, a lot of street teams there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's worth doing. Yeah. And speaking of the giveaways and street teams, that's where we found an incredibly helpful and nice guy handing out Hero Complex. Mm -hmm. And one of our friends knew that there were four covers and that she had already collected one of them. And she asked him, will you help us get all four covers? And he very kindly said, yeah, no problem. Yeah, the four color covers are the different actors for the new Fantastic Four film. Yeah, and he made sure that we each ended up with a set of all four covers. And I just thought that was so nice of him. Uh, and I am going to skip ahead a little in our walking just because it's right in front of me. We happened to run into the Vikings street team a little later and get the uh, Vikings comic book for this year. Between those two, we basically headed down um, the... Uh the gas lamp side of the trolley tracks, uh, past the, the Hilton gas lamp, past the... That's where you got your get-out-of-hell-free card. Uh, yes, past one of the uh, religious groups that always gives out a get-out-of-hell-free card, which is worth picking up in case you ever find yourself in hell. And this is one of those where they're Bible thumpers is really what it comes down to. Nothing right or wrong about it. They think we need saving, so whatever. Um, and... 
when I say that, I've got nothing against organized religion or people pushing what they believe and stuff. They do seem to do it with a bit of a chip on their shoulder that there is something wrong with us at times, which rubs me the wrong way. They do it with bullhorns, and they were not there on Monday. Well, and yes, and they're doing it as if we we worship the, the heroes in the media in a way that we don't. We're just fans. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think they're a little misguided, but for good intentions. Yes. So we do that. We also passed the Assassin's Creed, uh, the parkour course. Obstacle course. Yes. And the way that they were doing their commentary and describing the parkour, I couldn't help but think, wouldn't it be hilarious to see Stephen Amell? Oh, absolutely. They should do a celebrity series. Yeah. That'd be priceless. Because there are a couple I think who do really well. Stephen Amell among them. Yeah. But it's a, an American Ninja-ish sort of a thing, but themed. And it's one of those, they're saying, hey, if you're a beginner at this, we can scale it to that. Yeah. You know, it's like, have fun, don't get yourself killed. Yes. Um. So that was good. But we wound up walking the length of the convention center that got us towards the Viking stuff. Then we angled uh, right about a block to get to the Nerd HQ stuff. And it was one of those where... Uh, you basically, it's a free registration, uh, to get a, uh, RFID wristband kind of a thing to you can track as you're coming and going. Get a, a pretty cool looking nerd machine, uh, necklace kind of a deal with a medallion and whatnot. Um, the nerd machine is Zach Levi's organization. It's a, uh, free event, four day thing with gaming, tech stuff, nightly events, celebrity panels. A lot of stuff, uh, uh, benefiting Operation Smile, uh, which is one of the, uh, the charities I think, uh, Zach Levi is very passionate about. And it's a good cause, great cause. It's an amazing charity. If you don't know about it, it's worth Googling. And he's got, uh, EA, AMD, Sony teaming up with him, a lot of gaming stuff, uh, IGN helping out. And they are, uh, last, over the last five years, they've raised over a million dollars for this charity, which fixes, um, the cleft palate deformities and whatnot mm-hmm. uh, for people who, who who really need that. And I mean, that's that's a yeah. life-changing operation for them. And Zach Levi, everything I've seen from him, and I've seen him, you know, in person a few times, not on panels, but like I was over at the Marriott one year. He's like coming out of the elevators and people, oh, it's Zach Levi. He's on Chuck. Can we get an autograph? And he was really super cool about it. Oh, yeah, sure. Not a problem kind of a deal. You know, and if you think about it, he's essentially just gotten jumped by a bunch of fans almost. Yeah. Um, but he gets that side of the equation. And with the Nerd HQ stuff, he's very much trying to give back to the community. That's very cool. And uh, I, not only is it cool, I hope it pays off for him with him being on Heroes Reborn and stuff like that. Um, he's, he's doing some cool stuff. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was definitely worth the hike over. Uh, going in, Loot Crate was in there, a couple of other places. I want to, we didn't spend much time there. It was just get set up, get the badges, yeah. get the wristbands for the rogue cut mm-hmm. of, uh, X-Men Days of Future Past. And I want to go back, look at the t-shirts because those look pretty cool. Yes, definitely. <laughs> but then we, uh, essentially turned right around and walked all the way back mm-hmm. to go to the Conan Bingo. Now, this is another thing that you know, I wanted to have some different experiences at Con this mm-hmm. year and experiences that I probably wouldn't go for just on my own, but with friends, they're fun. Yeah. And 
that's what Conan Bingo was. And they build it as a unique gaming experience with a bit of what I say it said, a nightclub party atmosphere. Well, and I think that's a great uh, uh, way to describe it because basically we stood outside of a building for a lengthy period of time, hour and a half. Thereabouts. And they let people in and they had tables and stuff. Uh, and it's basically kind of a uh, uh, smoke-filled, haze-filled, you know. Now, by let people in, let's clarify, they did check ID and make sure you were over 21. Yes. You had to be signed up. There are certain hoops you had to jump through to even get in the line. Once you got in the line, you had to be over 21. They checked the ID. You had to have the the pass, whatever, get in. You get in in your groups, and they're sitting you at various tables. So they've, you know, mm-hmm. balanced it out. They had a little bit of an issue with the counting when it came to our group of four with the two seats available at the table, but they got that squared away. Open bar, mm-hmm. uh, food. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, granted, most of it was like little sliders and sandwiches. and. Uh, but they came up with gluten-free, dairy-free food for us when they found out that we weren't eating because we had food allergies. Absolutely. Which I was amazed because they asked us what was up. And I said, we're allergic to the food. And they sent someone over and said, I understand you have food allergies. What are you allergic to? He took note of it. He went out, came back. This is what I've got. It's all I got. Sorry, but I can get more of this. It was uh, meatballs. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. But the fact they did that was really cool. Uh, no, we don't drink. So we got uh, sodas and stuff. I'm sure we were a cheap date for them, so to speak. Yeah, really. Uh, but uh, this is Conan is in Conan O'Brien, the talk show host, not Conan the Librarian uh, from UHF, or Conan the King, the Conqueror, or uh, the Barbarian from the comics and, and uh, books and stuff. Um, and it was essentially literally a bingo game. They had some some dancers there to, to break some stuff up, liven it up, give it more of a party atmosphere. There were all kinds of – I mean, they, they had it a haze-filled – you know, the, the, the stage smoke type stuff mm-hmm. so they could see the lights swirling around and stuff. They had acapella karaoke yes. of a sort they had between karaoke. games. They had a DJ. Yes. Uh, uh, Sir Thumpalot is how I like to refer to him. I think it was Bumblebee <laughs> was his name. Yes. But everything had that thump, thump, thump uh, nightclub mm-hmm. sound mm-hmm. where you feel it more than hear it. Yeah, I, I literally my ears are still ringing a little from that. Yeah, the whole thing was so loud. It was good stuff, and the oh, DJ was. was on top of things. Yeah, but mm-hmm. it was uh, they had a, a guy basically calling bingo, and it was a MC slash host mm-hmm. of the the event. A uh, good sense of humor played the crowd really well, and the basic agenda of the thing: three rounds of bingo, two rounds of a competition karaoke between it, uh, with a, a Certain, you know, uh, pitch or whatever. Then a, uh, a runoff between the, the three bingo winners and stuff. And that's pretty much it. And it went for two, three hours. Uh, two hours, we, two and a half? it started at seven. Okay. Maybe an hour and a half, two hours. And it ended. 830 ish. 830 ish. It was a fun way to spend an hour or two. Yeah. Cause the doors opened about 630. Yeah. And, you know, it took them a little bit to get everybody seated yeah. and situated and but it was, hors d'oeuvres, yeah. drinks, food. I mean. And they kept bringing the drinks and the food. Oh, yeah. Uh, this thing had a stage set up. It had lighting, professional uh, uh, music and mm-hmm. sound stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what the venue normally looks like, but it was well set up for this sort of thing with an upstairs viewing area for some people. Uh, it had custom things for the Conan bingo. Conan had done a little video uh, 
intro to it. And one of the things Gwen is seats to go see him go tape live yes. and stuff. So think about that. He had a bingo thing going on tonight in this building. Somewhere else in San Diego tonight, he was actually recording a show. So two events he was doing. Mm-hmm. Well, and on the outside of the building at the street corner, there was a custom sign for the location that was basically his hairline. The neon light and orange for his hairline. Yeah. Um, so the whole thing inside was also themed with, you know, a kind of a Conan logo, like a bat signal and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was having fun and, and yeah. I thought generally being respectful of, of Comic-Con yeah. and uh, taking part of the festivities and hosting some of the festivities. Well, and, you know, in the spirit of our box lights, ah, yes. every person who left got a Conan Bingo 2015 gift bag. Uh, AT&T apparently co-sponsored mm-hmm. uh, the gift bags, etc. And I have not looked in my gift bags. I've gift bag singular. I got one too. I haven't looked in it either. Oh, um, I will start with the one thing that we know we had, and well, that was the uh, the Conan bingo card. Yeah, you got to keep your bingo card, and it was custom done for uh, Comic Con 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's you know on the one hand a regular kind of bingo card like you'd find on a cruise ship or whatever. Well, these days on cruise ships they use the paper ones where you oh, poke your right. finger through the numbers, and this is the old fashioned. For all that our ticket says said not your grandmother's bingo, not your grandma's bingo. This is the little slide the red thing across reusable bingo card. Yeah. It even feels like fake wood. It, it's a, I don't know how much these go for, but this is not a you know just throwaway little thing uh it it was a little bit of an expense and it was nice he did that and every person's place setting had a mason jar that said conan bingo full of water Mm -hmm. for their water glass so right there two things to take with you just for showing up for the evening Mm -hmm. in many places that would have been oh that's enough that's it that's all you get yeah but nope this is conan o'brien he went further uh they had custom pop vinyl uh, figures done, and today's was Batman Conan, um, which, frankly, out of all of them, of just the regular Conan, Batman, Zombie, or Conan's Monster, this is the one I would have wanted anyways. Yeah. Having it in the Conan O'Brien, the regular one, would have been a cool combination. Yes. that would have been like the uh, the Bruce Wayne Batman kind of a thing. That's exactly what I was thinking. And, you know, they did pretty good hair for him, actually, I gotta say. Yeah, it, it, it fits as a pop figure and it's iconic Conan. Mm-hmm. So I think they did well there. And again, the pop vinyl stuff just all over the place. I saw a truth. couple of booths that were nothing but reselling those. Yeah, somehow I'm not surprised. Um, We got a, a bright orange bandana, which is uh, themed Conan. It's got the Batman logo, the Conan Con, the TBS, the Zap, the POW, that kind of stuff. You know, the uh, MC seemed to have a uh, Conan hanky or something uh, tucked into his suit pocket, and I wonder if it was something like this that he had folded to do that with. Mm -hmm. And this says uh, Team Coco, which is one of the uh, Conan things as well. And it it looks such that if somebody were to tell me this glowed in the dark, I wouldn't be surprised, but I don't know if that's the case. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Be a cool touch if it did. I doubt it. It seems to be printed well, through. At the end of the uh, night, they had a competition between the three winners of the bingo games. 
and uh, the one who won was crowned the uh, Conan something or other of the night, and they gave him a cape and a mask, mm-hmm. and they asked him, now that you've won the Conan quest, what are you going to do? And he said, go back to the convention center and get back in line. And yeah. the MC almost looked across between confused and disappointed. I don't know how con savvy the MC was, to be honest. He didn't understand what it meant when two different people told him they were all excited because they'd gotten into Funko. Uh, and then we get another T-shirt, which is the uh, the Conan bat signal uh, in the front of mine, and yeah. the Conan bingo in the back. So these are kind of cool. Yeah, uh, they are. Mine's a size medium. Then I think you did better than I did. I think I got a size small. Oh, I'll take yours. Don't worry. Medium's still not going to fit me. But... <laughs> then there is a. I'm not sure what this is. Oh, I had to have someone educate me on these recently. It's a mobile pocket. Yes, it's a thing you put on the back of your cell phone to hold oh. your ID or something like that. That's clever. Isn't that? And it's got the uh, the Super Conan kind of a C logo. Yeah, that's kind of cute. Um, that's my second one this convention. Which always looks a little kind of, I don't want to say backwards to me, but incomplete because, you know, it's yeah. C, not an S. Yeah. Um, pair of uh, I Love Coco sunglasses. I got black, you got white. I got white, which is what the MC was wearing when he came in. Boy, those aren't exactly easy to look through. Because mine have, like, a checkerboard thing to them. And, and then, then a Conan 360, which I think is just something that turns into a Conan. It's an at and It's a cardboard thing. It it's is. It's got a, a couple of things, and it looks like it uh, becomes a Conan figure, but I'm not sure, and I don't really want to explode it out now. Yeah, that's about but where I'm at. A fair amount of stuff. Yeah. And cool stuff. Um, plus a you know a nice decent AT and T bag. Yeah. Um, and again, it was something where they fed you, they gave mm-hmm. you plenty to drink, and boy, were they encouraging that just to liven up the crowd. And let me tell you, the line at the bathrooms when they opened the door at the end was kind of entertaining. Yeah, uh, but it was fun. It was so much fun that people didn't want to slip out to the bathrooms. Well, and it was also something that at the end, it's not like everybody bolted for the door. No, people were lingering and not wanting to leave. So I think Conan did a, a good job. Um, yeah. And uh, exceeded my expectations. This is something that they could have done just, hey, he's taping, that's it. Mm-hmm. Show up, good luck. But this is something that other people could get tickets into the, the, the taping. And even if you don't get it, you have a fun evening. Well, and the one girl who called a false bingo, but she really thought she had it. And when they checked it and it turned out she was wrong and they showed her how close she was, but no, she apparently had accidentally marked one square or misunderstood the rules slightly or something. At the very end, they told her because she'd been so close and she was the only one to call a false bingo, they gave her a set of tickets. Some of the, yeah, they were trying to reward people that were participating. Yeah. And again, they had a good guy work in the crowd, never did catch his name. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure he ever gave it. He didn't. Um, he very much had done the bingo sort of a thing before or was well prepped. I don't know if he was one of their regular warm up guys, uh, for the show or what. Um, but it was, it was well done. It was in the spirit of Conan, as best I can tell, not mm-hmm. being a huge fan. Uh, and it was cool. 
this is the kind of thing that uh, one of the things I used to do at uh, at the end of Comic-Con every year was go have dinner with a friend of mine that used to work for me when I was out here. He was a big Conan fan, and this was you know way earlier in Conan's career because this would have been 20 years ago. Yeah. And he would have had a great time tonight. Uh, he since passed away, but this was kind of fun to do. Yeah. You know, and again, I get the why he was a fan. Yeah. This was a, a fun thing. Um, and I like Conan coming out for Comic Con and participating in Comic Con by hosting this sort of an event. Mm-hmm. Uh, and trying to, to give to the community, not just, you know, ridicule them as I think some other talk shows have done. Yeah. I mean, it was a fun party for everyone in the room, whether you won the game of bingo or not. The game of bingo was incidental to the fun being had. Mm-hmm. And the guy who won the grand quest of the three big winners, and the three big winners each got all four of the Funkos that were autographed. They got a set of headphones. They got the set of tickets. Um, Might have gotten one or two other things. Yeah. Um, they had a, a goodie bag for them. But then the grand and prize of the, the quest won a, uh, a drone. Uh, yeah. 2.0 from, I think, Parrot or whatever. It, the, these, if it's the ones I'm thinking of, I mean, these are $800, $1,000 type drone. It's not a little bitty. I yeah. mean, this is a full blown, this is, yeah, this is cool. Super cool. Is I mean, yeah, exactly. Super cool, as the, uh, the dancer said. Yeah. They had one of the five dancers who was also helping doing the bingo stuff. She got put to work a little harder than the others. Yeah. But, uh, no, all in all, it was a lot of fun. Well done. A uh, good way to end the day. And, uh, again, we did that with our friends, the Chans. Then we did a little more walking around to see what was else was going on in the gas lamp. And we could see uh, into Petco Park, and we could see the carnival going on. Right. Big party they were doing there. It looked like a Ferris wheel type thing Ferris had been wheel, set up. Uh, and band was, was playing. Yeah. I, there are parties galore to be had tonight and the other nights of Comic-Con if you want to do that. Uh, and again, this is, this is more party-like than I tend to go for personally. Normally, it yeah. was a great experience, fun experience. Glad I did it. And again, to me, today was, was kind of, I don't say seeing a different type of, a uh, different side of Comic-Con than usual, but very much so. Yeah. I spent from really 1230 on outside of the convention center. Yeah. I did things I don't normally do, but I've always wondered, what are they like? Because I don't normally do them. Well, it's not, it's a part of the convention that's not part of the classic old school Comic Con, mm-hmm. but is part and parcel of the current Comic Con experience. Mm-hmm. The pop up stuff, the things, I mean, really, we were, went across at least a dozen block area over the course of the day between mm-hmm. the Nerd HQ, the, the, the Conan Bingo, uh, the, uh, the FX Arena. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of things happening outside of the convention that are worth doing, a lot of fun, um, and is as much a part of Comic-Con as the exhibit hall and the panels. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's the, the convention has grown and changed over the years. Yeah. Um, and again, I covered uh, about a quarter of the floor today, so I was pleased with that. I've still got quite a bit left to do. Um, one or two places I may go back to, nothing that it's, you know, urgent that I go back to. Um but this year, I've been trying to focus on the heavy traffic items first versus the other stuff. So I need to get through the pavilion, the Star Wars, and those other big media things tomorrow. Smart. Um, but we'll see how that goes. So, yeah, that was pretty much it. Then we came back, grabbed a bite to eat, and uh, started recording. 
Yep. Anything else? Does that pretty much do it for Thursday? That does it. Cool. The show notes and form for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.